This video is brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service that premieres a new film every day. You'll see children are a crushing responsibility. There's no one quite so judged as the imperfect mother. Even in our age, where tired gender assumptions are being dismantled left and right, the unnatural mom, absent mom, or ambivalent mom is still an unsettling figure who makes many instinctively uncomfortable. But a wave of recent film and TV depictions are trying to understand why some mother figures might feel overwhelmed, alienated, or unsuited to the role. The Lost Daughter, Maggie Gyllenhaal's directorial debut about a woman named Leda who previously left her children with her husband, I abandoned them and I didn't see them for three years. Is about, in The Guardian's words, one of our culture's most enduring and least touchable taboos, the selfish, uncaring, unnatural mother. One who doesn't shift easily to caretaking, who does not relish her role, who not only begrudges but resents her children. I'm an unnatural mother. Yet it's telling that even today, simply being a bad fictional mom can attract scathing criticism from certain viewers and critics. Conservative publication The National Review's Armand White wrote that The Lost Daughter could be a Planned Parenthood training film for the way it enshrines female selfishness. And it's hardly new for the woman who doesn't want to be a traditional maternal figure or feels she needs more out of life to be automatically pegged as selfish. It took a lot of courage for her to walk out of here. Mm -hmm. How much courage does it take to walk out on your kid? Even if particular examples do exhibit selfish or toxic behaviors, mother characters tend to be scrutinized, even hated for doing things we frequently expect and excuse when they're done by father figures. We can accept an imperfect dad, but people absolutely don't accept those same failings in mothers. The truth is that the imperfect mother is so jarring because she doesn't fall in line with our culture's assumption that a good mother must be selfless. Often, all the imperfect mother's asking for is just to have a self, a universal need which is also key to long-term healthy parenting. Here's our take on the rise of the imperfect mother on screen, what happens when you lack agency to define your life, and why the controversy around this figure reveals we haven't come as far as we might think. People don't accept mothers who drink too much wine and yell at their child and call him an asshole. I get it. I do it too. If you're new here, be sure to subscribe and click the bell to get notified about all our new videos. Even the baby seemed to be an injustice to her. She accused him of holding her captive by making her have a baby. She told him that she dreamed about escaping. Due to the ancient concept of maternal instinct, it's a taboo to feel ambivalent about motherhood. Yet ambivalence is often part of the new mother's biological experience. The parent-child bond is not preformed. Like all bonds, it takes time to establish, and the prevalent narrative of maternal love at first sight often makes it even harder for women who struggle with their new role. Of course I'm ambivalent. Yeah. I mean, you remember those first two years with Ava, you yeah. thinking about jumping back into that nightmare. Yeah, I was there too, I remember. You couldn't, I like, couldn't, I couldn't no, be where you, you were. Could be not. This period of struggle is known as matrescence, a term coined in the 1970s by medical anthropologist Dana Raphael, which describes the ongoing process of becoming a mother. At the same time, the specific idea of the mother role women are expected to perform socially is deeply ingrained from childhood, as soon as we hand little girls their first doll, and for some, that role can feel artificial. In 1879, Henrik Ibsen's play A Doll's House centered on a scandalous topic, Nora, a typical 19th century wife who ultimately ultimately realizes her existence is a charade and leaves her family. Deriving its inspiration from 
the real life of Ibsen's friend, Laura Keeler, A Doll's House represents an early example of a character admitting that her culture's tightly defined boundaries of womanhood can be stifling and unnatural. Ibsen's questioning of the woman's role as doll mother reverberates through many subsequent explorations of unconventional motherhood, including The Lost Daughter, based on the Elena Ferrante novel, which features a plot of Leda stealing a doll from a young child. It's an action that, as a smaller mirror of her abandoning her kids, feels wrong and transgressive. Yet to Leda, the doll is a symbol of herself, as if she is the lost daughter who didn't get the nurturing she needed and she needed to reclaim some lost self. The doll is associated with the figure of a mother. In early scenes, toddler Elena bathes her doll and her mom, Nina, with a watering can together. When Nina fights with her husband, Elena bites the doll, and Leda says her own doll, Mina, was referred to as Mini Mama. I used to have a doll like that. Mina, or Mini Mama, as my mother called her. Leda also links Elena's doll to her own childhood doll, which she claimed was destroyed by her daughter Bianca, and she balks at Elena's treatment of her doll. The film actually follows two mothers who highlight maternal ambivalence at different stages of life, middle-aged Leda, who flashes back to how she struggled before temporarily leaving her kids, and younger Nina, who's generally a loving young mother to her toddler, but experiencing some feelings of being stifled. As the film progresses, we see Leda grapple with guilt about the way she parented her children when they were young. I don't want to see you right now. But unmaternal behavior doesn't usually happen in a vacuum. Women are blamed for failing as caregivers while often expected to also hold down jobs. I'm working. I'm suffocating. Before Leda snaps and leaves, we see her struggling to juggle parenting and work and pleading in vain for help. Sometimes I get scared I can't take care of them. Or if I passed out alone with them and you're in Arizona. Of course you can take care of them. One of the most iconic cinematic examples of the imperfect mother is Meryl Streep's Joanna from 1979's Kramer vs. Kramer. This overextended mom's decision to leave her son as she desperately questions her identity and her ability to parent. I'm terrible with him. I have no patience. He's better off without me. Is the inciting incident for Dustin Hoffman's Ted learning to become an engaged father. What we don't see, however, is the long period leading up to this when Joanna was the primary caregiver with no support from her workaholic husband. We eventually learn that Joanna has never really found her sense of self. All my life I've, I've felt like somebody's wife or somebody's mother or somebody's daughter. I never knew who I was. And that's why I had to go away because we're encouraged to invest in Ted's blossoming father-son relationship while Joanna's mostly off-screen, when she returns and has the audacity to want custody again, she's made to feel like the antagonist who's yet again being selfish. In the end, Joanna makes the right decision by giving Ted custody when she realizes that being a good mother isn't about performing the mother role everyone thinks she should. I came here to take my son home, and I realize he already is home. I love him very much. I'm not gonna take him with me. Yet even though Joanna Kramer came out of a hopeful 70s moment for the women's movement, her ending suggested women really couldn't have both traditional motherhood and a fulfilled self. And it's notable how the movie dotes on Ted's fathering, even though he only discovers this great father within himself because he's forced to. As the character Nora says in Marriage Story, The idea of a good father was only invented like 30 years ago. Meanwhile, everything that's considered a bonus or going above and beyond from a dad is seen as the bare minimum for a mom. I support your career. I babysit the kids all the time. It's not babysitting if they're your kids. Well, Many bad mothers on screen exhibit behaviors that when men do them are 
are minimized as cliches or even framed as forgivable, relatable, and humanizing. Viewers of Mad Men, for example, often criticize Betty as a terrible mother, but Don is actually worse, and being an absent, neglectful, emotionally distant father is rarely high up on descriptions of his character flaws. This way you see them exactly as much as you do now. On weekends and... Oh wait, Don, when was the last time you saw them? In one scene from The Lost Daughter, when Leda returns to visit her kids, her husband kneels and begs on the floor, while she has surface-deep, pleasant interactions with her children, giving them lavish gifts. And the effect is jarring, because it's a gender-flipped performance of what we might expect from an estranged father. Can't stay for dinner, baby. Got to get in an airplane. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I bought you presents. In the 2020 remake of Scenes from a Marriage, high flyer corporate executive Mira is paired with academic Jonathan, who stays home with their daughter in a gender switch update to Ingmar Bergman's 1973 original. But Mira's role as the breadwinner with frequent work trips leaves Mira feeling conflicted, like she needs to compensate. And while she tries to preemptively reject criticisms that her choices are selfish, she's also defensive and doubts herself. Men do it all the time, and then, you know, it's not really a big deal. So. Okay, as long as you've convinced yourself. In The Lost Daughter, younger mom Nina is curious about Leda because she's half-heartedly flirting with the idea of a way out. Is this going to pass? I have depression or something. Yet when Nina's confronted with the worst of Leda's anti-maternal instinct on finding out Leda stole the doll, she violently rejects Leda as sick. You better watch your back, bitch! It's intentional that the film positions Nina as the mother that many viewers will more easily relate to. She may feel tempted in moments to flee her responsibilities. She's driving me crazy. She doesn't believe she'll actually do it. I don't let it go anywhere. And she's appalled by those still more truly taboo behaviors of Leda's, like abandoning her kids and cruelly stealing a child's toy. Still, even if most of us like Nina won't allow ourselves to look fully into that selfish, non-maternal impulse within, that doesn't necessarily mean it's not to some degree there. The imperfect mother is fascinating because of her flaws. And if you're hungry for more portrayals of complicated women, you should start with Take This Waltz, now playing on Mubi. Sarah Polly's marital drama follows Margot, played by Michelle Williams, as a woman torn between her loving husband and a neighbor who she can't stop thinking about. It's a thought-provoking look at the conflicting needs for comfort and excitement in relationships with fantastic performances by Williams, Seth Rogen, and Luke Kirby. As a special gift to our viewers, Mubi is offering 30 days free, so click the link in the description below to start streaming now. If you're anything like me, these days you may be totally uninspired and stuck when it comes to figuring out what to watch next. Subscribing to Mubi completely fixes that. Their team of curators handpicks every film they show, so there's always something new to discover. They seriously love movies as much as we do, so their recommendations are always top-notch. Click the link in the description below to start streaming now. So hard. I feel so guilty that he doesn't have a dad in the picture. I don't know. I'm trying to do everything perfectly. It's exhausting. And I haven't had sex in like a year. Part of the reason the imperfect mother is so reviled is that the perfect mother is celebrated specifically for being selfless or self-sacrificing, much like fathers are celebrated for providing. The traditional June Cleaver-esque TV housewife exemplifies this infallible mother archetype and has even shaped the way we idealize motherhood, feeding into what we expect from moms. Well, Beaver, I'm your mother. I don't always know what goes on in your head, but if you're hurt or unhappy, then I don't even have to guess. Why not? Because I'm hurt and unhappy, too. 
In 2005, Susan Douglas and Meredith Michaels wrote The Mommy Myth, the idealization of motherhood and how it has undermined all women, saying that mothers may be worn down by the chasm between the ridiculous honey-hued ideals of perfect motherhood in the mass media and the reality of mothers' everyday lives. They note that in the late 80s and early 90s, Roseanne provided a little oasis where mothers could rebel against the suffocating ideal of the perfect mom. Thanks to that nasty, snotty attitude of yours, you get to spend another seven fun-filled days and nights on the second floor of 714 Delaware Streets. Following on this legacy in the 2000s, high-strung, exhausted Lois Wilkerson from Malcolm in the Middle, who is like some kind of superwoman taking care of her five kids, reassured us this job is never easy. Lois and Gilmore Girls' unconventional single mom Lorelai were big steps forward in mainstreaming the imperfect mother as a likable, relatable character. Still, they didn't necessarily dispel the idea of maternal selflessness. Lorelai bases her whole life around Rory after getting pregnant as a teen. Everything we worked for all these years, her whole future, she was supposed to have more than me. She was supposed to have everything. And Lois is a totally devoted caretaker who receives very little help from her husband or kids. There's even an episode centered around her shock when she has 25 minutes to herself. Dropped off Malcolm, picked up Reese, dinner's in the oven. What is it? I have the next 25 minutes free. Today, shows like Big Little Lies and Little Fires Everywhere challenge the perfect, effortless veneer of wealthy, waspy motherhood that we've seen on screen since the earliest incarnations of the TV mom. In Little Fires Everywhere, Elena wants to be a mom but is intent on stopping at three kids so that she can retain something of her journalistic career. So she's devastated when she finds out she's pregnant with her fourth child, and later in her life, the two great personal sacrifices she had to make in her career to take care of her children have turned her into a resentful parent who pressures her children for perfection. There's all this pressure to be all of these things to be perfect, but I'm not. I'm not perfect. Yes, you are! Likewise, showrunner and career powerhouse Shonda Rhimes has put forward the idea that sacrifice isn't always the best thing you can give your kids, especially when it comes to setting an example for daughters. All the greeting cards are about sacrifice. Have you noticed that? Mother, you, you gave up so much for me. Where is the greeting card that says, Mother, you taught me how to be a powerful woman? Recent stories about a mom going over the edge highlight the extreme pressures that mothers are under, which can lead to unhealthy mental states in which it's hard to access the joys of motherhood. Tully follows a woman starting to lose her grip after having her third baby, in part because she gets so little help. I wouldn't ever expect her to drive drunk like that, you know, or leave the house without telling me so no one's watching the kids. But weren't you home? Yeah. And also because even when she's offered some help by her brother, she feels inadequate if she doesn't do it all herself. The Escape features the story of a woman begging for permission to take time out. I think I need to like get out and do something with my life. It's not just being here. And I thought maybe I could do this art course. Tara is so emotionally taxed by motherhood that she has become seriously depressed, no longer seeing straight. Don't care if they don't finish their dinner. Don't care. They fall oi, over. Oi, 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 don't oi. care. Don't care if they go to school, if they don't go to school. Throughout the movie, she cries, seemingly without realizing, as though her pain is just seeping out of her. Yet, while that may sound extreme or unusual, many women relate to feeling this way, as we're told in the mainstream comedic exploration of this problem, 2016's Bad Moms. At least once a day, I feel like the worst mom in the world. And I cry in my car. <laughs> We're also hearing more characters today question whether motherhood is the right choice for them. Well, my last round of IVF didn't go through. Um, 
felt a huge wave of relief. On the flip side, sometimes moms like Sam in Better Things, who embrace what's imperfect, show this can be a superpower, yielding a closer, loving bond with one's kids. And in Little Fires Everywhere, in contrast to tightly wound Elena, Pearl's mother Mia is imperfect in more superficially obvious ways. She forces her daughter to constantly move around, even when Pearl would rather stay in one place, and keeps important secrets from Pearl. Still, by embracing an unconventional on-the-road lifestyle that suits her and fuels her creativity as a working artist, My mom always said that work was her other kid. She's able to continue being a responsive, engaged, loving parent, and she's brought up a daughter who's sensitive, scholastically impressive, and moral. In Bad Moms, after Mila Kunis's character decides to loosen up and stop trying to be the perfect mom, I think we're all bad moms, and you know why? Because being a mom today is impossible. This ironically makes her a better mom in substantial ways, like having fun with her kids. Psych for Mandarin class? No. No. Mandarin class is so stressful. But we're gonna play hooky today. Ultimately, what most mothers are trying to find is the place between selflessness and selfishness, which is having a self. Nicole from Marriage Story manages this through leaving a marriage in which her personal desires and career ambitions come second. At our theater, I always wanted to direct, and then Charlie would say something like, the next one, but he was always the director, so there never was a next one. Thanks to divorce, Nicole begins to claw back aspects of herself, pursuing her passion for directing and being close to her family as she moves back to her native Los Angeles. Nicole talks about how she tried to be completely fulfilled by her roles as a wife and mother. And I thought, own it. Just own it. Be like George Harrison's wife. Being a wife and a mother, that's enough. Yeah, then I realized I couldn't remember her name. But at the end of the movie, she dresses up for Halloween as one of the Beatles herself, symbolizing that a woman can get to be both the artist and the mother. In Parallel Mothers, we see many incarnations of the mother, and the film is laced with constant questioning of what it means to be a good one. Anna and Janice, the parallel mothers of the title, have parallel imperfect mothers of their own. Anna's mom is an actress who didn't want children and is so devoted to her career that she has always struggled to connect with her daughter. While Janice's mom died of an overdose when her daughter was five, but the two central women are more complex and in constant flux as they move through different incarnations of womanhood and parenthood. Anna is a terrified teenager while Janice is almost 40 and delighted to be given the chance at motherhood she never thought she'd have. Through the switched at birth storyline, Almodovar highlights the complexities of biology and matrescence and questions where motherhood begins and if it ever ends. The film builds on other recent stories that move beyond the dichotomy of the bad selfish mother and good selfless one, showing us that we can be a flawed person and a good parent, that maybe what makes us a good parent is not being entirely selfless. Today, most of the nuanced, critically celebrated characterizations of mothers on screen are imperfect in some way, but their flaws don't invalidate their strengths as moms. I love him more than I, I can even understand when I can barely stand to be in the same room with him. 
interrupting every thought I might have. It's also important to acknowledge that the ability for the imperfect parent of any gender to spend time away from their kids while knowing they're safe is dependent on money and class. In Kramer vs. Kramer and The Lost Daughter, each woman trusts that her husband will take care of the kids even if he protests. When Alex, the lead character in Maid, has to flee her abusive alcoholic boyfriend with their daughter Maddie, she's in survival mode and doesn't have the luxury of being an imperfect mom. In Sean Baker's The Florida Project and Andrea Arnold's films, low-income mothers simply don't have the money or support network to ever choose to do anything for themselves without engaging in what most would consider negligent parenting. Give me a break. It's my first night out in ages. Mayor of Easttown shows the devastating reality of a former addict trying to make a life for herself and her son. Unqualified for jobs with more reasonable hours, Carrie ends up burnt out and exhausted, terrifying herself by falling asleep while her son is in the bath and eventually turning back to drugs to keep herself awake. She ultimately decides to leave him in the custody of his grandmother, an imperfect mother in an act of maternal selflessness. Even in The Lost Daughter, Leda isn't that mother who abandoned her kids only. We glimpse her positive maternal instinct in moments throughout the movie. Did you know another word for Mabel? No. Belly button. Belly button. button, yeah, that's right. And importantly, after leaving her kids, she returned. Leda views her return, like her departure, through a lens of selfishness. I went back because I missed them. I'm a very selfish person even though this is in fact her love for her children in action. It's a line that underlines how maternal love is a confusing mix of both selfish and selfless. And at the end, we hear her talking to her daughters, underlining that however imperfect she was, she's still in their lives and loved by them. Through the movie's repeated motif of peeling an orange, we hear how her children do see her personality clearly. And she was the one that pointed out I'm finicky about peeling fruit. Hmm. I don't like it when the peel breaks. And while she frames her uptightness as a negative thing, her children love this ritual with Leda as a time when she's in the moment with them, showing a real part of herself. Please, can you put it like a snake? And perhaps this is the beauty of how parents appear in their young children's eyes, perfect in their imperfections. Hey, Mom, I wanted to tell you. I love you. Thank you. This is the take on your favorite movie shows and pop culture. Thanks for watching and don't forget to subscribe.